Damien as he ministers to us tonight. Our Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you that the Lord Jesus gave us his truth and he sent the Holy Spirit to help us to be able to understand it. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit who came at Pentecost is with us tonight. And we pray, therefore, that his illuminating power would be given to us, Lord, to understand the word with fresh insight, Lord, and with the power to take it away and apply it in our lives as well. We just pray for Damien, Lord, and lift him to you. We thank you for him, Lord, that he's been willing to come to minister to us today. We know he's already had uh, a, a busy morning, Lord, and a full week. And we just would lift him to you for strength for ability, for enabling from yourself, and and that he also may be blessed as we open the word together in the name of Jesus. So be with us now, and thank you for our brother. We commit him to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Damien. I'll give you the... All right, pardon your pastor as he gets undressed. Hands me the microphone. If you want to right now, you can go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 10. Thank you, brother. Are we all on here? All right. Romans chapter 10. And uh, there we go. Romans chapter 10. And we're going to read a couple of very familiar uh, verses. Now, one thing that I just realized is uh, I did not bring my reading glasses. No, 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 it's okay. This will be fun. Okay. I don't, hopefully my arm is long enough. If I, uh, I might just go to my iPad on one of my Bible apps and look, but of course, anyways, so let's read. (laughs) Thankfully, it's a very familiar passage. Now, it's going to be Romans 10, verses 13 through 15. Do me a favor. How many of you know this passage? Okay, my wife. Any other Christians in here? Okay, a couple. All right. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We, we know that, okay? Now, do me a favor, though. Please put your eyes on your Bibles. This is important. Because sometimes when we're familiar with a passage, we ignore what it really says. Now, somebody once said, familiarity breeds contempt. Let's make sure that we don't have that for the Word of God. Amen. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings, excuse me, yeah, glad tidings of good things. See, I can read that. I want to read you an excerpt out of uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. How many of you have heard of that before? Yeah, Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's, uh, uh, sometimes its original title was Acts and Monuments. I don't know if you knew that. When John Fox wrote that, it's called Acts of Monuments. Um, when I was up in Manchester, I actually got to uh, play with one of the first editions uh, while I was getting my master's. It was, it's, it's fun uh, when you get to touch these things and you think, you know, how important this is. But I want to quote to you uh, something. There's a, uh, about a gentleman by the name of Julius Palmer. 
Now, the reason why I mentioned him specifically is because near Brimpton, how many of you know where Brimpton is? A couple. Good, good. You guys are good. I love you guys, all right? Um, most of you don't. So I, I do want to invite at least the men next year. Please come to our men's conference, all right? It's worth it. Um, we have plenty of grounds where if you want to camp, you can camp out there. Um, if you don't want, I mean, we've got a lot of property, don't we? Yeah, we've got a lot of property. You can camp out there. If you don't want to camp out there, we also have a church building that you're more than welcome to sleep in. I will be upstairs in my bed in the manse, uh, in my very comfortable bed, while everybody is learning to suffer for Jesus. All right? And, and, and at, at night, we have great contests. We, we play with axes. We chop wood. One guy put his axe in his foot. No, sadly, it wasn't that sharp. It only broke a toe. We didn't cut it off. Um, I was really hoping this would be like a memorial uh, men's meeting that we'd be able to name it after him. But sadly, no, it's just broken. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, frozen peas and uh, paracetamol. That was, that was the uh, diagnosis. And that was, <laughs> so, eh, not that great. Um, but, and then uh, the next day, Saturday, we have uh, preaching. Preaching three straight sermons. And uh, um, we do break for lunch. And it's, it's a dynamic time designed for men. Um, and then we're going to um, also, we're also going to do a men and boys retreat where uh, men and, their, uh, and their, their sons can come. And uh, it'll be a little bit different, a little bit of a different dynamic. But our men's retreat is just men, 18 and older. I know it wasn't like it this time. That's the reason why we're adding the men and boys retreat. So um, Brimpton is near, all that to say Brimpton is near. Newbury. Um, and there's a gentleman by the name of Julius Palmer. And in 1556, Julius Palmer dared stand up for his belief that in communion, the bread and the wine were just elements. That they did not literally become the body and blood of Jesus. Now, quite frankly, many people in here think, ah, okay, if you want to believe that, that's fine. If you want. But back then, for somebody to stand on this principle and say, look, I can't bend here. This is just what the Word of God teaches. That was a capital offense. And Julius Palmer was sentenced to be burned at the stake. And as he got up to go towards the place where he would be burned, it says, And as Palmer began to arise, there came behind him two popish priests, exhorting him yet to recant and save his soul. Palmer answered and said, Away! Away! Tempt me no longer! Away, I say, from me, all ye that work iniquity! For the Lord hath heard the voice of my tears." And so forthwith, Palmer and the other men he was with put off their raiment and went to the stake and kissed it. And when they were bound to the post, Palmer said, good people, pray for us that we may persevere to the end for Christ's sake. Beware of popish teachers, for they deceive you. And for that, Julius Palmer was burned at the stake. I say that because 
And I want to be an encouragement to you. My wife says, make sure you're, you're happy. Okay? And I, I, I really do. But have you ever just felt a need, an urge, something important? I, I, I want to encourage you, but I really want to challenge you. I, I want to say some things that are going to maybe even make you upset with me. Amen? Yeah, this guy's that guy back there, bring it. I love it. That's great. Because I want to ask you a question. Do you believe what God has said about the lost? He that believeth on the Son has life, but he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abiding on him. Do you believe that? How many ways do you believe there are to heaven? Jesus said, there's only one and he's the way. He's not a way, he's the way. He's not a truth of many truths, he is the truth. And he is the life. And no man can come to the Father but through him. Anybody in here believe that? Good. For those watching this at home, about half. So that's, that's, that's good. That's good for a church. I'll be honest with you. You know, that's... That's good. Yeah, we believe that, don't we? We believe that those that are born again, that those that have uh, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ will spend eternity with him. But we also, do we believe the opposite? That they that don't will not see life, but the wrath of God staying on them, abiding on them. If you do, I know you don't agree with glee. No man should ever speak of hell with a smile on his face. So my question for you today is, do you believe that? COVID taught us a lot of things, didn't it? This is not the controversial part, okay? (laughs) This is not it. Now, no matter what you believe, I just need to state what I believe, okay? A lot of people, oh, COVID is the mark of the beast. COVID is the, okay, well, whatever, all right. Now, if you believe that, God bless your cotton socks. But one thing made the Bible alive for me. You know, in the book of the Revelation, where it says that nobody can buy or sell without receiving the mark on their hand or on their forehead. No, the COVID vaccine was not the mark. Okay, but you know how it said that I was thought, how are you going to get a bunch of jokers just to go ahead and do that? Man, COVID, everybody's lining up, aren't they? We got a new vaccine. We don't know if it's going to work, but let's try it. And by the way, you can't travel unless you take it. You can't be part of our normal society unless you do it. And by the way, I've had all my COVID shots. I've had my boosters. I'm not railing against it. But it just really made me understand how quickly people would just get in line. Now, here in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, one of the greatest verses in the scripture is actually a quote from Joel chapter 2. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, For whosoever 
shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, how many of you feel brave and are willing to go to the Old Testament with me? The minor prophets, the book of Joel. Again, I'm so pleased. My Bible just turned to it. I don't even have a bookmark there. But I'm like you. I'm like, Joel, where's, where's Joel? And don't, don't be so pious. Go ahead and look at the front of your Bible, okay? Look at that table of contents. Find out where it's at. It's in the Minor, uh, minor Prophets. Give you two hints. In my Bible, it's page 907, if that helps. Um, but also, if you don't know where Joel chapter 2 is, it's very easy. It's right after Joel chapter 1. I'm a helper like that. Are we there? Joel chapter 2. Oh boy. All right, let's start. Let's start in verse 27. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. In the midst of where? Israel. Who's this prophet for? Uh, who's this prophecy for? Israel. That's not a trick question, folks. All right. Who's this prophecy for? Israel. This is how you're going to know he's in the midst of Israel. Ready? Uh, there we go. I'm not kidding. I really do need reading glasses. Um, and that I am the Lord your God and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. Now, this is a prophecy for Israel, for his people. And I'm just going to help you why. Okay? If you want to read the book of Romans... Uh, chapter by chapter in one sitting, you're going to see that when the gospel is going out to all the Gentiles, there's a question about the Jews. What, what, what about us? And the answer is God's not done with you yet. Amen. Amen. God's not done with Israel. Amen? Amen. People have tried to destroy Israel. You know why? Because God says he's not done with it. So if the wicked one can completely eliminate Israel, there's no more prophecy. God's done. So just mark it down. Israel's going to survive. Amen? Verse 28. So uh, again, this is a prophecy to them that Israel, we're not done with you. God is not done with you. Ever. I would love to be a missionary in the time of the tribulation to the nation of Israel. 144,000 are going to get saved right away. I'd, I'd claim that in a prayer letter. Okay, <laughs> I really would. I mean, and they are going to go out and they are going to preach the gospel. And I'm sorry for our Jehovah witness, uh, Witnesses that uh, no, those are going to be Jewish believers, male and virgin. That's 144,000. By the way, that's just free. That didn't cost you anything extra. All right, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Okay? God says, Israel, it's not just about you. Now, this prophecy is for you, but there's going to be a time I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All people. Any Gentiles in here? Any of you not even have a clue what a Gentile is? No, I'm heterosexual. I'm not a Gentile. All right? We don't believe in that here at this church. No, Gentile. All right? Jew or Gentile. Amen? All right. I can say things here because I'm not at my home church. I could get in trouble. My wife will beat me, though, on the way home. You all pray for me. 
But one day, the gospel is going to go freely through the Gentiles. And what day did that start? It actually started in Israel, in Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost. They spoke in tongues. Tongues. Languages. Because there were people that did not understand Hebrew, so all these different languages had to be taught. And Peter said, this, part, this prophecy, this part of the prophecy is coming true right now. Now, this prophecy is not for the, until the end times, but God was given a glimpse about what was going to happen. You'll see in a second. And ye shall know that, uh, excuse me, verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, Gentiles, but look at the next, and your sons. By the way, when he says your sons, what nation is he talking about? Israel. Israel, your sons, and Israel, your daughters shall prophesy. Israel, your old men shall dream dreams. Israel, your young men shall see visions. Now, I just want to say this, all right? I don't care what your belief is. We at least have to acknowledge Scripture is right. Amen? Amen. And we can't misapply Scripture just because we like it. Just because we want to find a verse. Reminds me of the person that... um, that was trying to get, uh, you know, figure out God's will. So he just turned his pages and he pointed, Lord, what is your will for me? Oh, and it said, and Judas went out and hung himself. Whew, don't like that. So he closed his Bible, opened up again. And Jesus said, do thou likewise. Ooh, he didn't like that. All right. Listen, we've got to know the scripture in context. Amen. So when the Bible says, your young men, your young women shall prophesy, uh, dream dreams, and all these things. Listen, it is speaking to Israel. It's not speaking to any Gentile. Amen? So just know, just keeping it scripturally. Anybody that says, oh, this is part of the biblical prophecy, ask them, are you Jewish? No? All right, then this prophecy isn't for you. I'm I'm not saying anything else other than we've got to make sure scripture is interpreted correctly. Amen? Amen. All right. Verse 29. And upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days, I will pour out my spirit and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. That's what it's quoting. Does that make sense? So he's quoting this. He's quoting this as a continuation of Romans chapter 9. If you want to turn back to Romans 10, um, he's quoting this as a continuation of Romans chapter 9, that whosoever, the gospel is to everyone. It's not just for the Jew. If you look at verse 12 of Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, verse 12, it says, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Do you get the point? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. I'm so grateful that I'm a whosoever. Are you glad that you're a whosoever? The word whosoever means all of every kind. There's a lot of kinds in here. I can already tell. You got this gentleman in the back. He's ready to, yeah, bring it on. All right. You got, you, you had some dear lady up here. She's, she's praising the Lord. Hands are up. You've got other people, hands deep in their pockets. You know, you don't want to get Baptocostal or something like that. You want to be very, very careful. I love it. There's, there's every flavor around here. There's different nationalities. I like looking at a church where we're not all pasty white. Amen. I love that. Man, our church in, uh, 
uh, that, that we had over in Manchester, uh, we, it, was, it was very predominantly African. And it was great. You know, it was really good on bringing share days. Yeah, you English, you bring like the, the, the little mini uh, uh, pork pies, you know, the, and the little package, and a, a bag of crisps, and you dump it out. That's not a bring and share, ladies and gentlemen. I know I've just offended some people in here, all right? But you've got to be taught. <laughs> bring and shares is where you cook something from home, and you bring it. Now, look, if you don't know how to cook African food, you need more Africans to start coming to this church. Amen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Jollof rice, man. You need that in your life. Oh, yeah, see? If you don't know what that is, you're hurting. I'm telling you. All right. Enough of that. Come on, guys. All right. So, now... For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I, I just want to make one more correction here. There are cultish beliefs that are going out today. That when you say, call upon the name of the Lord, they will go, well, if you don't pronounce Jesus' Hebrew name, you've really never called on him. <clears throat> They're idiots. Morons. And if you believe that way, you have been infected with a lie. Can I ask you a question? What language was the Greek New Testament written in? <laughs> Greek, okay. That, yeah. Some of you think that's a trick question. Greek. And when Paul wrote this, do you think he wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Yes. yes. So you think when, when Paul wrote in his Greek... New Testament, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he didn't use Jesus' Hebrew name, did he? No. So you have my permission. When somebody gives you this heresy, I want you to gently open your Bible to Romans 13, bend it back, and then hit them. Okay? Amen? Don't argue. Hit and leave. The word name here means authority. Finish this. Stop in the name of the law. Right. Some of you said in the name of love. All right. No Motown in here. All right. We're believers. We don't dance in here, do we, brother? No. No. The answer is no. <laughs> Hey, when somebody says stop in the name of the law, they're saying stop by the authority of the law. Amen? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is either who he said or he's not. Amen? Now, I'll be honest with you. I was looking at actually preaching out of Psalm 115 today, uh, this evening. Verse 2. Where, uh, if you want to turn there, take me about an hour to get there. Psalm 115, verse 2. It says, Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now thy God? Don't you just love it when so Where's God now, huh? Look at all the trouble going around. Where's God, hmm? And I love just what the psalmist says. Or God? He's in the heavens and hath done whatsoever he pleased. 
you know we do not have to make God palatable to people? We've got to stop trying to dumb down the righteousness of God to make people happy. That's wickedness, amen? We need to make sure that the, uh, the authority of Jesus Christ is exactly who he was and who he said he was. And listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you, and I bet you your pastor is the same way. There are some passages that I get a little nervous about. Okay? Now, this is the reason why I do expository preaching. I just preach through books. And every once in a while, a verse will come up and I'm like, ooh, that's going to upset somebody. But you know what my feeling is? If God has enough guts to write it down, I should have enough guts to talk about it. Right? Because it's not my problem, it's his. Amen? If God sa- somebody says, is your church against the, ga- the homosexual community? Go, well, what do you mean? Well, do you guys believe in gay marriage? I get, are, are you asking me, how, how do we feel about sexuality? Yes. I said, listen, let me tell you something. God's not too happy about a lot of heterosexual relationships either. God says one man, one woman in marriage only. Boy, that, that'll upset a lot of people. Straight and gays all together. Isn't it great? God gets everybody upset at one time. He doesn't care about your... Hey, is, is, saying, something, is saying that God does not approve of heterosexual relationships outside of marriage... Can that ruffle some feathers? Could that upset some people in your families? God said it. Now, I preach Christ and Him crucified. And uh, I find that people are convicted about their sins anyways. I don't need to go around pointing them out. But listen, if somebody asks me an honest question, I'm going to give them an honest answer. We need to do the same thing, Amen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. That word call is a call of help, a pleading help. I know it doesn't look like it, but I used to be a lifeguard in Florida at a lake. And in Florida, yes, there's as many alligators in a lake that you would imagine. They're just there. All right. In Florida, just about every inch of water has an alligator in there. In Florida, before we take a drink of water, we check just to make sure there's not a gator in there. Okay. <laughs> but in, uh, the, the the lake that I was a lifeguard at, there was gators in there, and and it's okay. The gators don't like the splash, and they tend to leave you alone. But one of the things that we were taught as a lifeguard is that if somebody is drowning. Make sure there's only one victim and not two. In other words, make sure the person who is calling for help really wants your help. Make sure that they're not trying to save themselves. Make sure they give directions. We're told that if somebody's screaming for help, you swim towards them, dive underneath them on the back. You say, stand still. I'm going to go around. You do not grab me. Now, is that hard when you're panicking? Yeah. But we had a practice of people turning around, grabbing us, and trying to drown us. This is literally how we practice. We had to practice learning how to kick people away. We had to learn that unless the person was willing to let me do all the saving, I can't do any of it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how we come to Christ. We call on the Lord Jesus Christ, not for some help, 
Not, Lord, help me a little bit, then I got it from here. Amen? God, I need all of you. And I need none of me. Anybody ever get saved like that? Praise the Lord. Now look at verse 14. By the way, the word saved, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, doesn't simply mean rescued. It means delivered. It means cured. When Jesus Christ saves you, he saves you to the uttermost. You are born again. You are complete in him. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 that you are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Ladies, any of you ever use Ziploc bags? How many of you have ever used a Ziploc bag? Now, you have something in there, you seal the top properly, you can turn it upside down and shake it all you want, amen? It's going to hold. Now, you get one of those Tesco brands, you ain't turning it upside down, are you? No, you don't know if it's going to hold or not. Let me tell you something, God is better than Ziploc. When he says you are sealed, you are sealed. When he says you are delivered, you are delivered. Now, we're just like the people in Romans chapter 12, that we have some besetting sins, some sins that so easily beset us. But don't you like it that God said he knows that we're, uh, these sins beset us easily? It doesn't shock him. But one day we will be conformed to the image of his son. Amen? Verse 14. Now, it's asking some questions here. Let's just go over these questions. I've done two terrible things as a speaker, as a guest speaker. Number one, I haven't asked how long I have. (laughs) Number two, I haven't even looked at what time I started. Okay, so it's, it's too late now. All right, I'm not even going to try it. I have fresh batteries, and I'm, I'm good. Just go for it. Yes, I love that. That's good stuff, man. Here, here's, you know what he knows? If I do a terrible job and I go too long, he's a rock star. He's everybody's hero, right? Right? I love that. And if I do good, then they're like, oh, thank you for bringing somebody that preaches just like you, brother. Man, he, he's, he's winner, winner, chicken dinner, no matter what. I like that. You're a smart man. Okay? You can say yes, you are. Come on, you can. All right. So here's the questions being asked. How then shall they call on him? Now, we, we agreed, everybody must call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, right? But the question is, how can they even call on him in whom they have not believed? I.e., it is impossible for the lost to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ if they do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody can just recite the sinner's prayer and be okay. Many of those, in the last days, Jesus will say, I'm sorry, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you gone with Pascal's rager, uh, wager, Blaise Pascal, the father of, was it trigonometry? Modern mathematics? He said that if a man become a Christian, 
and is wrong. He has lost nothing. But if a man refuses to be a Christian and is wrong, he's lost everything. I want you to know Jesus Christ doesn't want a part of you. Jesus wants all of you. Jesus wants to be your savior. Jesus wants you to be his. He's a jealous God. By the way, this first part of the verse is proof positive. That simple reciting of the sinner's prayer cannot lead to salvation. It must be a heart change. Amen. Second question. Verse 14. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? This is a reasonable question. We say somebody must call upon the name of the Lord, but they must believe on him. But now the question is, how can they believe on him? If they've never heard him, it is impossible to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you've never heard of him, let me give you some statistics. This is where I'm really going to try to bother you tonight. There are different people groups around this world, i.e. there are people that have uh, a, a culture, a language, things that are independent from those that are around them. And out of, of, I think there's like something like 20,000 different people groups on the planet, 7,391 of these people groups have never heard the gospel a single time. In 2,000 years of Christianity, 7,391 of these people groups have never heard the gospel one single time. And I ask you again, do you really believe what God says about the lost? And they have never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says their eternity is in the lake of fire. Well, pastor, I don't believe that. Okay, but what is God to believe? What does God's word teach? Do you realize that today on this planet of 7.888 billion people, 3.2 billion people have never heard the gospel a single time. Let me say that again. 3.2 billion people on this planet have never heard the gospel once. Man, you've got Amy. Amy is like a super blessing. I love Amy. I love all these guys. Well, except for Chris. Honestly, these guys. Oh, hey, how are you doing? I even love her. This girl is a walking poster for Jesus. Isn't she? Man, she can't, she can't sin outside because she's wearing all the Christian stuff. People around this village, uh, village, this city that have never heard about Jesus Christ has certainly heard something from her. 3.2 billion people on this planet don't have an Amy. They've never heard the gospel one single time. Here's something. How about 87% of all Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists have no prospect of meeting another believer that can give them the gospel? 87% of this planet's Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus don't have a single opportunity to hear the gospel. 
How about this? 70,000 people die every day without hearing the gospel. 70,000 people. Seventy thousand people. I'm not clicking my fingers even close to being fast enough. They're constantly dropping, going out into eternity. Most have never heard a single time. It's not that they've rejected it, they've never heard it. Now the question is, what do you actually believe about this? As you're sitting here contemplating life, souls are going out into eternity that have never heard a single time. Pastor, I really wish you'd stop clicking your fingers. It's annoying, isn't it? Isn't it annoying realizing how many people are going out into eternity? Maybe we can just shut our minds off. Maybe we've heard this talked about so many times. Maybe we just don't need to hear it anymore. Or maybe we need to respond to it, amen? 70,000 people a day die without Christ who have never heard the gospel a single time. It is impossible to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if they've never heard of him. Let me tell you something. 94% of this world, 94% of this world know what Coca-Cola is. Seriously. You see, and you might not even know the language, but you walk by, you see a red sign with white ribbon writing, Coca-Cola, right? 94% of the world can recognize Coke immediately. 88% of this planet recognizes the golden arches of McDonald's immediately. 92% of this world recognizes what the Olympic rings stand for immediately. Let me tell you something. Only 54% of this world knows that the cross has any religious significance. Almost half of this world, if they were to see a cross, they don't have a clue what it represents. How do you think we're doing? Do you know the most popular name on this planet with 98% recognition? 98% of the world's population will recognize this following name. Mickey Mouse. 98. And yet, almost half of the world doesn't recognize the cross. How are we doing? And ladies and gentlemen, you might say, well, um, we're, you know, we're not, we're not a company like Disney. We're not a company like McDonald's. We're not a company like Coca-Cola. Right. We have far more resources than they do. And I'm not even spiritualizing anything. I mean, the money that we have as evangelical born again believers, we have far more money than any corporation on this planet. No, it's not a lack of resources that we have that's stopping the gospel. But verse 14 continues, How shall they hear without a preacher? 
This is reasonable to ask. If the world needs to hear, and they need to hear the gospel, how can they hear unless somebody unashamedly proclaims the good news? Seventy percent of born-again believers have never shared their gospel faith even once. We're not talking about anything other than evangelical born again. So, 70%, statistically speaking, of the people in this room have never given the gospel once. Well, pastor, you know, they'll think I'm weird. They already know you're weird. Amen? They already know you're a Bible basher. You might as well just say something now. Almost half of all believers have never invited an unsaved friend or loved one to church. Almost half. You know why you came to Christ? Somebody cared enough for you. Have you at least paid it forward once? Seriously. I love you seasoned saints. I love seeing you know, a good amount of snow on the top. I'm there. But I've traveled around this country, around this globe, and I don't like seeing churches that just have snow domes. I don't like seeing churches, and this isn't this church. I, I see vitality in here. But it breaks my heart when I see churches closing that once preached the gospel fervently. Aren't you tired of that? Aren't you, honestly, aren't you tired of walking down the street recognizing old churches that are houses, mosques, pubs? Well, pastor, it's just a building. And I get that it's just a building, but it represents something, doesn't it? It represents where once was a thriving body for Christ. It's dissolved. So again, I ask you, what do you believe about the gospel? What do you believe about what God says about the lost? Verse 15 says, and how shall they preach? Except they be sent. Now, now, now here's our responsibility. If the lost are going to hear, we need to send preachers. Does that make sense? How many of you know of a church without a pastor? Can I just see your hand? We need more pastors, don't we? Do you think God has just forgotten about those churches and have stopped calling people? What do you think? We need people that are saying, yeah, Lord, I'll answer the call. I'll do it. How shall they preach except they be sent? 
Let's talk about foreign missions for a moment. In this globe, in this planet of 7.888 billion people, there is approximately 60,000 evangelical foreign missionaries. What does that mean? That's one missionary per 131,000 people. How many, think, how many people do you think, you think this church is going to reach 131,000 people? Pastor, you don't. No, it, it won't. We need more preachers, amen? We need more people to say, I'll go. I'll do it. Let's talk about unreached people groups that have never had a single missionary. They've never had a single gospel witness. In India, approximately 1,284,847,000 in India never heard the gospel. In Pakistan, 198 million never heard the gospel. Indonesia, 165 million never heard the gospel. Bangladesh, 163 million never heard the gospel without a single missionary. China, 146 million, not a single missionary. Japan, 124 to these people, 124 million to people groups there without a single missionary. Iran, 81 million, not a single missionary. Turkey, 81 million, no missionary. Thailand, 68 million to these people groups, unreached people groups, without a missionary. Nigeria, 61 million people worth of people groups, never one time had a gospel witness. Well, Pastor, that's them. All right, let's talk about England. England, approximately 56 million people. Let's break that down. One million of those 56 million, one million are Hindu. Four Muslim, uh, excuse me, four million are Muslim. About a third of those, statistically speaking, live in London. 5.2 uh, million are Catholic. That's barely 10 million. 30.6 million are atheists. And if you want to include the whole United Kingdom, <clears throat> that's 72% of the population. Only 3 million people in England claim to be born again. How do you think we're doing? We need to send out more preachers. Amen? We need to send out more missionaries. We need to stop talking about uh, ministry as if only fools can do it. You know what my philosophy is? Well, if you can't hack being a pastor, I, I guess you could do something stupid like be a doctor or a lawyer. I mean, think, historically speaking, your brightest minds were preachers. But let's talk about sending. For every 100 pounds an evangelical in England has, 
for every hundred pounds, 10 pence is spent on missions. One hundred pounds, ten p. To just put this in in perspective, for every one hundred pounds that we have, we invest on average five pounds on our TV license, Sky, and streaming channels. Ten p for missions, five pounds for TV. For every hundred pounds. How do you think we're doing? How about this? Let's talk about pets for a moment. Any, any dog owners in here? And I have a dog. Any cat owners in here? Oh, they're terrible, aren't they? I have, I have a dog, a little puppy. I say little, it's not. It's massive. And we have two cats. And those cats, sadly, are not afraid of this dog. These two cats are bullies. They are. And this cat, I mean, our dog will just bring a ball and uh, roll it in front of a cat. And let's play. Let's be friends. I'll give you my favorite toy. Cats are not interested. Cats are terrible. By, by the way, if you're wondering, well, if you think they're terrible, why do you have them? Because we live out in the middle of a field. And so God created cats to eat mice. Amen. I'm cheap. I ain't spending money on an exterminator. I'll get two cats that'll eat them. I don't even have to feed the cats anymore. Let's talk about how much the English. Remember, for every hundred pounds, 10p is spent on missions. Let's talk about how we spend on our animals. Every month, if you're a dog owner, you spend 58 pounds on food. A cat owner, 36 pounds. For treats, dog owners, 34 pounds. Cats, 12 pounds. Toys, 27 pounds if you're a dog owner. Nine pounds if you're a cat owner. Professional grooming, 29 pounds if you're a dog owner. Six pounds. How do you even groom a cat? A dog walker, 22 pounds. On average, we spend 22 pounds, uh, 10 pounds a month if you're a cat owner. I don't know who these people are, but pet insurance, 34 pounds a month for a dog, 11 pounds for a cat, monthly vet bills, 37 for a dog, 17 for a cat. Statistically, we spend more on our, path, uh, on our pets than those going to hell. Statistically speaking, we care a lot more about our pets than we do about souls for whom Christ died for. Now I'm going to get personal. Anybody upset with me yet? Buckle up, here it comes. The wicked one is desperate to put you in debt. Because some of you, as I've been giving these statistics... Whether going or spending money on global missions, I've been reading these statistics, and you've said, I wish I could do something, but I'm in too much debt. Why do you think you're in too much debt? Christian, the wicked one wants to seize your wallet. 
They want to stop you. He wants to stop you from giving. He wants to stop you from going, oh, I'd love to go, but I've got too much financial responsibility. Get out of debt. Get out of debt. Live modestly. My wife and I have had privilege of meeting so many amazing Christians all over this globe. I met this one gentleman. He worked full time and then he had a part time job. You know why he had a part time job? So all of that part time job money could go to missions. That's it. He says, I'll work an extra two, three, four hours a day so that somebody else can hear the gospel. When we were traveling, preaching for about two and a half years in the States, we were going from church to church, preaching, giving our, uh, giving our vision and the need um, to see closed churches reopened in England, see churches started. We had a lot of expenses. I had this one lady come to me, a little old lady. Beautiful saint. And she handed me $20. And she, she put in my hand and she says, Now, brother, I want you to use this to get you to your next place. God, what a sweet lady. And by the way, I, I would always tell the pastor, I would always say, Look, this person gave me this. Um, I, I just want you to know. Uh, and, uh, and he said to me, he says, oh, that's so good of her. And he said, Brother Pickett, I, I need you to understand something about that $20. That's about equivalent right now to, I don't know, 15 pounds. I don't know, something like that. But he says, I want you to understand something about that 20 Dollars. She's on a fixed income. She's a pensioner. She doesn't have extra money. So literally, the, re the way she gave you that money is she is choosing to go without her pain medication this next week. Preacher, let's give this back to her. And he looked at me and he says, don't you dare do that. She is giving the only way she can. You better respect that sacrifice. Whew. Let me tell you something. That $20 was more than just $20. Amen? That dear lady had serious skin in the game. So we're left with three options, really. We see the world around us that desperately needs the gospel. And now we have three options. What are the three options? Are we in agreement that this world needs more preachers? No doubt. Amen. All right. So what do we do? Number one, you have an option. Go. 
Go. Tell your kids, tell your grandkids that this is a great calling. Care less about their security and more about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go. Go yourself. Go yourself. Not on a holiday. I mean, go. I went to India. First day I arrived, I was in a little village. And I was told by the gentleman that I was communicating with, he said, you know, just this last week, something terrible happened. I said, well, what happened? He says, do you know about the caste system? I, I, I said, yes, I know about it. And he says, well, the government says we can't go by it. But in here in these smaller villages, they absolutely go by it. In other words, you, you, you have a high caste. You have a middle class, you have a lower caste. And then you have untouchables, those that have been outcast, those that have gone outside their caste. And there was this little girl whose family were outcasts. And they kept on going in the wrong area. And all I can do is repeat what this gentleman told me. She was a bit autistic. And she went in the wrong area, the high caste area, too many times. And they just took her and burned her on the pyre. I have no, no reason why this man would lie to me. Life is cheap. That area needs a gospel witness. While I was driving around in India, I'm driving, I have a, I have a driver taking me places. And he's passing a sign. He says, oh, that is not good. <laughs> I go, what's not good? He's like, oh, don't worry about it, brother. I went, no. <laughs> what's not good? And he says, that billboard. There's a billboard of a man dressed in, in kind of a suit. One side and the other side, it was the same man in a casket. And he said, brother, it, it says that we've had missionaries before and we know how to deal with them. How exciting. Yeah. Those people need the gospel. And just like Julius um, Palmer that I read in the beginning... His life was snuffed out for standing for the Lord. We have got to care little about our lives and more about the gospel. We need to go. Send. Amen? So we need to go or we need to send. If We can't, uh, you know, this church, this church needs to be a missionary sending church. Amen? Well, we don't have any missionaries. Well, then find some to support. Maybe we can do better than 10p per 100 pounds. Amen? Maybe we need to realize that there's a lost and dying world that needs us to put our money where our mouth is.
that we need to have the courage of our convictions. And not stand or sit idly by while dozens and dozens and dozens every second go out into eternity. Without ever hearing the gospel once. We need to go. We need to send. We have a third option, ladies and gentlemen. Or we can disobey. I mean, you've heard the need. There's not a single person in here that doesn't recognize the need. We've heard the call. Not a single person in here fails to recognize the crucial need that we have. Now the question is, what are you going to do about it? A lot of us, sadly, are going to go, tut, tut, that's really bad. And maybe even be bothered by it all night tonight. But then, fear not, you'll have a good night's sleep. And all that worry will be over. That is a scary prospect. Ladies and gentlemen, if the Holy Spirit is speaking today, answer. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with, if the God of the universe has chosen to speak to your heart today, how dare we push him aside? Amen. The first missionary so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let's pray. Father, sadly, I could not do this justice of what's needed to be said. I don't say that humbly. I know this. Father, help us to see people as souls that are going to eternity somewhere. Help us to invest seeing people born again in places we might never go. Lord, teach us to talk to people about the Lord. And not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. God, teach us to be brave. But teach us to be reckless. Teach us not to be cautious. But obey at your whisper. And Lord, thank you for the people in here. Lord, they've been so good to us. They've been so good to me. They've, they've heard your word. Now, God, I pray that your spirit would not allow that word to escape them. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor.